When we share our own ideas, our own opinions, we glorify ourselves. Men praise us. When we share God's views from the Bible, we glorify God. I was watching television news one day a couple of years ago. That Catholic Pope got on TV. They were talking about homosexuals. And he said, well, I don't see anything wrong about being a homosexual. I literally screamed at the television set, what about the Bible? See, he glorifies himself. He talks about what he sees, his opinion, not what God says in the New Testament Bible. Therefore, he and his followers damn themselves with their own opinions and the opinions of men because they don't love the truth of the Word of God, the Bible. They don't search for that. These men who glorify themselves in the ministries just want to appear clever to other men. The Apostle Paul wasn't like that at all. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 told us what he was. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul wasn't interested in what street Jesus walked on, the tomb of Jesus. He didn't take people on tours to see fleshly nonsense, which has no power at all. He determined to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's where the power is. And in verse 3, Paul says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And in verse 12, Paul says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So when I heard that Catholic Pope say, I don't see anything wrong about homosexuals, I screamed out, what about the Bible? What about Romans 1? What does God say about it? What does God think about homosexuals and lesbians? He tells us in Romans 1, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. 
And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meat. These scriptures glorify God, not us. When we come across the subject of homosexuals or lesbians, we speak not our opinion, but what the Holy Spirit has revealed through the Bible about the subject. It's not what we can see, it's what God says. And so when this Pope says, I don't see anything wrong about being homosexual, who is he but a man? He's not a God. He completely discounts the New Testament Bible on the subject and presents what is popular to worldly men and women. He will be damned. His followers will be damned because they do not have a love of the truth of the Holy Bible that they can be saved. They walk in the wisdom of men, not in the wisdom of God. And God says this about their fate. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The ministers, the followers, all of these people who love the opinion of men and the teachings of men and do not love the word of God, do not search the scriptures on the subject, do not care what God says. It's just what they think. All of them are headed to damnation, both the ministers and the congregations. Again, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. A divorced woman wanted to remarry. She went to a pastor to see if she, being divorced, could remarry. And the pastor said, well, my sister is divorced and remarried. I don't see anything wrong about that. This pastor's the same as that Catholic Pope. They speak their own opinions and they do not care what God has to say in the New Testament Bible. So this woman remarried after divorce. A few years later, she was born again, and she had a desire to read the Bible. And she read the Bible and found that when she, as a divorced woman, remarried, she committed adultery. This pope and the pastors that speak by their own will 
and their own opinions lead people into damnation, failing to present the word of God on the issue. And they glorify themselves by their own opinions and their own cleverness. And they have human beings praise them and put them on pedestals and worship them because of their cleverness. Ministers of God glorify God because they present the views spoken by God. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Who am I trying to convince? Who am I trying to convince by what I'm speaking? God or you? Paul says, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. A great many ministers today try to please men to get big crowds to come to their churches. When you see big crowds at the churches, you can pretty well be assured they're not teaching the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, Matthew 5.32. They're not teaching that it is adultery for the divorced woman to remarry, as is taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, and Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. They're not preaching that, because if they preached that, people would leave them. People come to them in mass because they are approving their sins. They are giving the people what they want. That's why they have the large crowds. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 12, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Damnation to every minister who speaks his own opinions and fails to share the words of God on the issue at hand. Damnation to him. The words of God are salvation to the us who believe. Why? Because they show us what to do and what not to do. Therefore, we follow them and are saved. Salvation comes to us by the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. The words of God are salvation to us who believe, and those words glorify God, not ourselves, when we speak them. I've had so many people who have called themselves Christians, who attend church, but when I speak of what God has done in my life, they don't want to hear it. They go dead silent. They're just waiting for me to quit speaking. I've seen this over and over. A Catholic woman that I, I used to play bridge with her, a Catholic woman, she liked to come and go to dinner with me. She lived just down the street from my house. So she came to my house frequently. She saw what I was doing. 
She came over, and I had changed my gas logs into wood burning. And she said, oh, I think that's wonderful. I think what you've done is wonderful. I said, well, now, wait a minute. Let me tell you what happened. I was driving down the street, and a pickup truck loaded with firewood drove up beside me. And I looked at it, and I thought, oh, I really would like to have a wood-burning fireplace. And God, through his Spirit, said to me, you can have that. And I realized I could. I could change my gas logs into wood-burning. And that's why I have a wood-burning today, is because I heard from God, you can have that. She didn't want to hear that. Later, I was at the Bridge Center, and I heard her talking to some people, and she was telling them, oh, Joan changed her fireplace from gas logs to wood burning, and it's so nice. I said, now, wait a minute. I didn't do that. And I told them the story about God showing me that I could do that, and therefore I did that. They didn't want to hear it either. They were Church of Christ members, and I think one of them was a Baptist, and she's a Catholic. I've had so much experience with church people who do not want to hear that God has done something. I had a Baptist friend that I went to high school with, and years later she was telling me this story. We lived in a little tiny village out in the country. She went in the grocery store, and she said there was a young man standing at the counter, and she just instantly knew, I'm going to marry him. She didn't know who he was. And she turned to Brad Pinkston and said, Brad, who is that? After the young man left. And he told told her he was a young man from another town who had come to help with the harvest of the crops. And she said to Brad, who was a Nazarene, I'm going to marry him. Brad said, oh, you shouldn't say things like that. She's a Baptist, he's a Nazarene. When she told me the story some 40, 50 years later, I said, oh, that was a word of knowledge from God, spiritual gift. She just froze. She was terrified. I can only assume that they taught her at the Baptist church that she shouldn't do things like that. And certainly Brad Pinkston had said the same thing, him being a Nazarene. They don't want to hear that we hear from God, that of the spiritual gifts, word of knowledge, which is listed in 1 Corinthians 12 as one of the spiritual gifts. She had a word of knowledge from God that she was going to marry this young man she'd never met. She did marry him, and they were married until Jerry died, about 60 years. They want to speak of what they've learned, of their wisdom, of their cleverness, of their opinions. What do you think about homosexual? What do you think about divorce, remarriage? It should be, what does God think about it? What does God have to say about divorce, remarriage in the Bible? What does God have to say about homosexuals? What does God have to say about fornication, drunkenness? What does God say? He's the one who's going to judge us. 
and it will be for eternal life. Some will be even placed in eternal damnation. Some who are given eternal life will suffer loss of rewards. Do you know about rewards? Second John, starting at verse 8, John tells us to work so that we'll have a full reward. There are different levels in heaven. Second John, there's only one chapter, and it's verse 8. Let's start there. John says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrines of Christ, the rules of God in the New Testament Bible, those are the doctrines of Christ, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrines of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrines of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. When I lived in Lubbock, Texas, my neighbor right behind me in the alley there was a Jewish man. He came to me one day and asked me if I would rent him one of my bedrooms, and I said, no, I won't rent you one of my bedrooms. You can borrow one of them. I won't take any money for it. He said, well, we're having an anniversary party and we have so many guests that I just can't provide rooms for them. And I wanted to uh, have my wife's daughter and her friend stay at your house. The Holy Spirit just strongly brought to my attention, what's this friend? So I said to him, what's this friend? And he said, well, My wife's daughter is a lesbian, and the friend is her lover. I said, oh, I can't have that at my house. He said, well, I don't approve of it either. I said, I can't have that at my house. It's against God. He didn't, he was very friendly. He didn't say any more to me. He left, and I never did see him or his wife again for a couple of years, and I saw his wife backing out of the garage. And I stopped in the alley to greet her. And she kind of hesitated on backing up. I didn't perceive at first that she didn't want to see me. But she backed up and rolled her window down. And I said, how's Bernard? And she said, he passed away. And I said, he did? I didn't know that. And then she said, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, fine. She said, I'll be over to your house tonight. I want to talk to you. And I said, well, I will leave the back porch light on because they lived right behind my house and they came in the back door when they came to my house. So I got refreshments for her and waited and nine o'clock came and I had the porch light on and she didn't show up. 10 o'clock came and she didn't show up. Finally, it was very obvious that she wasn't coming to my house. At that point, I realized God had spared me because she was coming to attack me because 
of the lesbian situation where I would not let lesbians stay at my house. God spared me. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine of the Bible, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Don't just go around wishing people well. If you bid him Godspeed, the Apostle John says, For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So if he's committing fornication, you're a part of it. You're going to lose a full reward. You might get to heaven, but you will not have a full reward. You have to be careful about these things. And you have to know these things that are in the Bible. I rarely wish anybody well. I have to be absolutely certain that person is following the Spirit of God as a regular practice before I will wish them well. Because I know this. If you wish that person well, and that person goes out and becomes drunk or commits fornication, you are partaker of their deeds by wishing that person well. That's what John says in the Bible. Therefore, that's what God says, because all Scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable to us so that we will know what to do and what not to do. So we glorify God each time we speak that which the Bible says. As a new Christian, Pam Paget was attending a non-denominational church. She had been raised Catholic, and then she was born again, and she began to go to a non-denominational church. At the singles class, a woman in the singles class was divorced, and at first she seemed to be content to live and take care of her young girl, uh, I think elementary school child. And then she began to look for a husband in the singles class. Pam went to this woman, and she said, if you marry as a divorced woman, if you remarry, According to the Bible, you will commit adultery. And this woman in the singles class at her church said, I don't care what the Bible says. Pam was shocked. How can a person who goes to church not care what the Bible says? She went to the man this woman was going to marry. And she told him, if you marry a divorced woman, according to the Bible, you will commit adultery. Matthew 5.32 He said, well, I'll think about it. But he went ahead with all the plans for the marriage. She went to the maid of honor who was in the singles class. And she told the maid of honor, if they marry, it will be adultery. And the maid of honor said, well, they're going to marry anyway. And so I know it's adultery, but they're going to marry anyway. But I'm going to go ahead and be maid of honor. When Pam told me that story, I heard, be not partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. We've got all kinds of sins going on in the churches. Sins against God. Going the opposite way from God. And those people married there at that church with that pastor performing the marriage ceremony. So it's just sin every direction you look. 
After that happened, Pam moved up several miles away from that church building, but she still went to the 11 o'clock service. The singles usually sat together at the 11 o'clock service. So Pam went into the church building that day, and she went to the place where the singles sat and sat down, and they didn't show up. None of them showed up. She turned around at some point during the service and looked back, and they were sitting back behind her. Well, the next time she went to the service, she sat in the new place where the singles sat, and they sat in the old place. The third time, she saw them sitting in the auditorium, and she went and sat down where they were sitting. Every one of them, without speaking one word to her, got up and moved to another part of the building. Pam turned to God and said, What have I done? What have I done? Have I offended them? Did I do something wrong? A few weeks later, a woman in that church came to her and said, I have a message from God for you. God knows how the singles class is treating you, and he wants you to know that you did what he wanted you to do in what you spoke. Pam was just so grateful that God would help her. That's what happens when you speak the truth of the Word of God as the Holy Spirit brings it to you, to the church people that you're around. I was playing golf one time with two women. One was a Church of Christ member and the other was a Methodist. The Methodist woman was complaining about people who judged other people. I had a word from God immediately and I spoke it to her. If a person judges that someone's judging, aren't they judging? She was like a hot, a balloon filled with hot air. She went, ha, 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 just gasping, like you'd poked a pin in a balloon. All the hot air went out of her. You speak the thing that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. One day I was in the grocery store. It was a Sunday. And I was at the checkout stand waiting to pay for my groceries. A woman in front of me was talking to the cashier. And she was saying, I can't believe you are working on a Sunday. And the cashier said, well, a one of our workers was sick and they called me and I had to come in and work. I can't believe you're working. And she was really chastising this cashier for working on a Sunday. I spoke up and said, I can't believe you are buying your groceries on a Sunday. She just looked shocked. I said, if you're going to live by Old Testament rules, you're going to have to live by all of the Old Testament rules. And one of those Old Testament rules is you cannot go outside your tent on the Sabbath. If you're going to live by Old Testament rules, you're going to have to follow them, all of them. Not another word was spoken. She fled. We speak what we hear to speak. And we hold back nothing. 
Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul knew he would never see the church at Ephesus again. He called the elders together and began talking to them. And the Apostle Paul said this to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 18. Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all seasons serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that you will never see my face again. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He didn't hide certain things that would be unpopular. He shared the whole counsel of God. Verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. They were just waiting for Paul to leave, so they could rise up and present their own opinions their own doctrines, opposite to the doctrine of Christ, that is, Antichrist. They go out and they set up their own denominations and they do what they want to do. It's as being as if they're God, sitting in the temple of God, showing themselves that they be God. Antichrist. Failing to go by the doctrines of Christ as set forth in the New Testament Bible. And when you do that, you glorify yourself. So their ministers add long robes, or they add collars, or they add hats, or they put scarves around their necks, something to separate them from the people, to show that they're not like the people. They are reverend so-and-so. And they name themselves reverend. Jesus didn't do that. They named themselves reverend to exalt themselves above everyone else, to honor themselves, to glorify themselves. 
When we follow the New Testament Bible, there are no holy garments to separate the ministers from the people. There's no such thing as the title reverend. The Apostle Paul identified himself as an apostle and teacher and preacher. Peter identified himself as an apostle and elder. And Jesus from heaven appointed to the church, Ephesians chapter 4, Jesus from heaven appointed to the church apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Some apostles, Ephesians 4, 11. Some prophets, more than one. Some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. From heaven, the call of God, the call of Jesus, is on that person whom Jesus called his ministry. But there are ministers of Satan who come to you as angels of light, professing to have revelations that conflict with the Word of God, with the Bible. I've heard them many times. There are ministers of Satan who add teachings that are not in the Bible. And there are ministers of Satan who completely pervert the gospel of Christ and take you in an opposite way. I've heard them. I've gone to them. I've talked to them, and I've had them not care at all that they did those things. Antichrist doesn't care. He doesn't repent. And they and their followers will perish because they did not love the truth of the Word of God. They love their own opinions and the things they make up. I've seen them many times among congregations. I've seen them many times among preachers. They will all perish. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, because they receive not the love of the truth, for this cause God will bring upon them a strong delusion that they would believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The Apostle Paul talks about these ministers of Satan in 2 Corinthians 11. Starting at verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They weren't called to be ministers of God. They just had a desire to be. So they went to Bible school and became a minister and were called reverend. People of God won't call themselves reverend. The real ministers of God won't do that. I had a pastor who came to me once, identified himself as pastor, and he signed his letter, Reverend. I immediately told him, this is an ungodly thing to do. He said, well, they learned to do it at their Bible college. They said, since they finished Bible college, they got to call themselves Reverend. God reminded me of something. He put me on radio in 1980. A woman came to me and told me she was a member of the radio audience, a fan, and she said, what do we call you, Reverend? And I said, oh, no. I was shocked. Don't call me Reverend. Call me Joan. It's like the Apostle Paul. They called him Paul. Call me Joan. I wouldn't allow her to call me Reverend, yet I'd never thought about it until that moment. Inside me, God had shown me the truth without my even knowing it. 
These people who call themselves reverend are evil. I wouldn't allow them to call me reverend. Paul and Peter obviously did not allow them to call them reverend. There's no example in the Bible of any minister taking on the name reverend. And the only time reverend is mentioned in the Bible is in Psalm 111 where it says, Holy and reverend is God's name. Those people who call themselves reverend are evil. So in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, Paul says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says concerning the last days, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.